Hey friend, welcome to Houston Made, the show where I, Rusty Gates, get to talk with local Houston-based entrepreneurs and business owners about what it's like to be in the middle of that journey and selfishly gain insights as I build my own businesses. I try to say it in every episode, but I want to say it up top this time. Thank you for listening to this show. Uh, while getting to have these conversations really is a privilege, there's a lot of work that goes into making them happen and into packaging it in the best format possible to share with the world. So when I see that people are actually downloading and streaming the show, it really means the world to me. And you're hearing this right now, which means you're one of those people. So thank you because you're awesome. <laughs> This week, I got to sit down with uh, my new friend, Rudy Rasmus, to talk about his very unique journey into all kinds of things. On top of co-pastoring St. John's downtown in Houston, he also owns Through Good Coffee in the Heights, Soul Tacos, and is leading the nonprofit Bread of Life, which he has done for the last 30 years. He's an author, speaker, a professor, and at 65 years old, he is looking forward to the next 30 years with no plans for retirement. I have hoped to sit down with Rudy since the beginning of the show, since the beginning of season one. So I was thrilled when he had some time open up to sit down and talk with me and share a little bit of his story. And it's a great conversation. I'm stoked to share it with you. That said, I want to throw out a brief caution that we do get into the topic of suicide in the latter half of the episode as Rudy shares a bit of his story and some of the dark days that he's experienced. But overall, it's a very encouraging podcast, and I walked away feeling really great about it. So listen in as Rudy and I discuss the influences in his youth that drew him into entrepreneurship, how a chance meeting at a funeral changed the trajectory of his life, and why retirement isn't an option on the table for him. Rudy Rasmus, you you are an author, a pastor, many would say a humanitarian. You have founded nonprofits, an entrepreneur, a real estate developer, a professor, and, and many more, all of these things. Uh, thank you so much for genuinely thank you so much for the time uh, and for sitting down with me. Uh, one of the reasons why I am so excited to talk with you, I think, is um, I do a lot of things. And that's how I built my life. I want to yeah. do a lot of things. I really enjoy hanging out with as many people as possible in these cameras, these microphones, the real estate work. It gives me a chance to step into people's lives for a little bit. And I maybe can't walk with them forever, but to get to do it. But it I think I've built this life because it gives me the opportunity to do so many things. What, why do you do all these things? You got opportunity just presents itself and you go, I got to do that. Or are you similarly driven to say, I just, I want to have fun. And this is a, these seem like good things to do. Yeah. First of all, it's good to be here. Thank and, you. and the short, the short version is my, uh, um, so in my faith tradition, uh, somebody years ago came up with a, uh, um, uh, spiritual gifts, questionnaire mm -hmm. uh i realized my spiritual gift what wasn't uh on the uh questionnaire and it's uh hanging out mm. and really that's what i do yeah um you know i think i think what what really shapes uh who i am as a uh as a person and i think what what often happens with a lot of people is we uh we don't we don't factor in um the years that we don't remember. Hmm. Okay. Um, 
But uh, but when I really, you know, over the years now, I'm 65, so I've had time to reflect on a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, but what I what I really uh, come to the, the conclusion of is that most of who I am right now was shaped between um, my uh, fourth birthday and my 12th birthday. Okay. Yeah. You know, um uh, early on, I had a uh, had an aunt who uh, owned a grocery store in the hood. Okay, and uh, she was like my grandmother too. Uh, she raised my dad. She, she was his oldest old, older sister, mm-hmm. and uh, and I watched her uh, go to work. Mm-hmm. She was a church lady, and she ran a grocery store. Yeah, um, and they also owned a bar. So she was a church lady who owned a bar, ran a grocery store, and managed uh the lunchroom at a uh, at a middle school for about 50 years and that in in the time frame that would have been somewhat rare yeah right like I, you could i feel like you could swing a cat out here and hit one of us entrepreneurs that's got 12 things going on yeah like we're all over the place now but i feel like to have that many things in that generation going on that's a lot and and to be a woman yeah you know so so i'm riding with her and i realized that uh man you know she has a uh a diverse life is interesting. Mm-hmm. And and the one thing I've always done, you probably can tell by the beard and appearance. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Is I've just always done me. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, you know, I was thinking, um, so I own a little coffee shop in the heights. Mm-hmm. And through good. And right? it, yeah, through yep. good. And it was it's probably uh, the most expensive hobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, um, because to make money in specialty coffee uh you know it's really uh it's a science mm-hmm. and most of the science is in roasting okay but i, I remember that being you know i was telling someone i said you know this is my 21st business what yeah that's amazing it was crazy you know yeah it also points to the fact that the uh uh one through 20 hell ain't make no money so, <laughs> yeah that's true that. you know but uh but along the way i uh have always been wired to uh to do more than one thing mm-hmm. and it's probably watching my aunt and then watching my dad mm. my dad always believed in um in having more than one stream of income mm-hmm. and he had a hotel right well we we actually built that together oh, okay yeah i yeah. uh well let me tell you a short story please i'm five years old mm-hmm. and and one one day my uh, my dad brings a uh, set of blueprints now in 1961 a black man with a set of blueprints is unusual. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But he brings a set of blueprints home and he, uh, he puts them on the table Mm -hmm. and he proceeds to tell me how, uh, we basically, we're going to build this little motel and, and we're going to make, we're going to make money on other people's pain. Okay. Right. So, uh, so he explains, you know, the process to me, we rent our rooms by the hour. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, we, uh, cater our, uh, clientele to the sex trade mm-hmm. and uh when i was 23 years old i built the building okay yeah moved to houston uh went into the construction development business um uh got a bank loan had the land already and and built a 10 10 unit motel mm-hmm. uh and uh an office and a and a residence yeah to live in and and from there, Rusty, I tell you, I uh, um, uh, started a uh, crazy part of my life and mm-hmm. career. Um, c- 
kind of uh, fell into um, darkness, hell uh, head first. Mm -hmm. And but I was I was raised to run it. Yeah, you know, five years old. So here I am. I'm five years old. I get the uh, blueprints. Yeah. Uh, I'm 22, 23. I build it. Yeah. Realize that that dream as twisted as it may have been or yeah, yeah that yeah brought and, that to fruition yeah right back to so so that thing uh it was my you know my dad interesting guy mm -hmm. um was extremely entrepreneurial but always financed my dreams mm -hmm. so whatever i i put in front of him yeah he said hey let's do it yeah and way. and he was resourceful you know uh he he, uh, he was white collar you know, in his professional career, he's an accountant, mm. um, but but had a uh, kind of a hustler's heart. Mm -hmm. So so in between, uh, he just kind of raised me to do the same. Finding angles, Find, yeah, and and finding um, the, I think the key has always been uh, doing what I felt was the best thing for me to do at that time, mm -hmm. and and boy, you know, you put that you put that together. Over a uh, a number of years, mm -hmm. and you uh, you have a um, a string of enterprises <laughs> and uh, a lot of stories and experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you, you've done a lot. So I know, obviously, you guys lead St. John here. You and your wife, mm -hmm. it's Juanita, right? Juanita. Yeah, and you are co-pot pastors here, and you lead this beautiful community. But the way that I understand the story is that she's a big part of that kind of redemption narrative of oh, yeah. moving. And it wasn't immediate though, right? Of how, I'm interested in how you have all these skills and you're putting it towards, hey, we're gonna make money this way. Yeah. And morally questionable, if not just morally wrong. And, and do the skills change as you go through that process or do, does the heart behind the same skills change? Yeah. You know, I, I tell people all the time that that uh, skills are transferable, mm -hmm. gifts are too, mm -hmm. and and if you take the uh, you know you take the gift and skill and you you apply that gift and skill to anything connected to your heart, mm. it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. It's going to manifest too. Yeah, whether it's on on the spectrum on the dark side of the spectrum or the light side of mm -hmm. the spectrum. Sure. You know, what my wife did was moved my, uh, 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 sort of moved, moved my moral compass mm -hmm. on that spectrum. Sure. Uh, more towards the light. So when she married me, it was in complete darkness, mm -hmm. which was the, I think the mystery of those who knew her, uh, why she connected with me. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but my wife had this, um, she had the ability to see a little glimmer of light in my heart. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and the one thing she she knew is that even though I was in a really bad business, a uh, bad line of business, mm -hmm. um, that she personally was safe with me. And I, and I tell you, uh, so when I, when I first met her, uh, so, so I married the first woman I trusted. Mm. That's what I, what, Remember, I'm, I'm raised to run a sexually oriented business. Yeah. Um, uh, in a uh, in my formative years, mm -hmm. and that's my orientation. You know. Yeah. And so, 
So I'm raised in a um, in a sort of a dark vacuum. Vacuum, mm -hmm. but but Juanita, um, when I met her, um, she uh, she had to, as a matter of fact, I met her at a, f a funeral. Mm. We we say it's the best funeral we've ever been to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but but I met her at a funeral, and when I when I saw her, um, literally, she you know, th th you hear this a lot, but but I saw this light. Yeah, you know. And and I made uh, sure I met her before that funeral was uh, concluded. Well, before the, all the, <laughs> yeah. the, the the gathering and stuff mm -hmm. concluded, and 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 once we started like connecting, um, the voice I had this voice that mm -hmm. uh, that now I know is God's voice talking to me, but mm -hmm. I wasn't a believer, so I yeah. didn't identify the source. But the voice uh, told me early in our courtship. To never do anything that would cause her not to trust me. Mm. Which, That's great advice. Great advice. Yeah. <laughs> so much so that uh, I walked away from her. She mm. walked away from me. And we expected to never get together. Yeah. A year later, um, the voice returned and said, call Juanita. Mm. I did. And a few months later, we were married. Yeah. Yeah. But but what she, what, she, what we agreed on was I would go to uh, to church with her. Yeah. And I wasn't a church guy. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't a part of it. Yeah. So even though you saw some of that with your aunt, mm -hmm. it just had never really. Yeah, it never connected. I, yeah. you know, as a matter of fact, I, uh, I would tell her often that you know this is nice. I can see mm -hmm. that it's meaningful for you, but I don't believe it. Yeah. And then some of the reading I, I did just in research of this said that I guess the pastor started reaching out to you. Was there kind of a mentor relationship that then yeah. started to make it click? Yeah. Man, his name was Kirby John Caldwell. Mm -hmm. uh, fascinating guy. And I remember the first day. So my wife researched churches mm -hmm. when we married and she uh, had, had uh, read up on his story um, being sort of a business guy that, that turned to religion. And and thought we could connect, so yeah. we went to church there one Sunday, and by, I think by the second Sunday, he uh, introduced himself to me, mm -hmm. and and in that first couple of months, um, one day called me up to read the liturgy. Mm -hmm. That's what they did in Methodist churches back in the day. I didn't know it, and <laughs> sure. uh, and I thought it was odd, you know. The, but the building didn't fall in when I stood up. Yeah. So, They're like, okay. Um, but but I continued to attend that church, and he uh, continued to uh, befriend me. Mm. You know, um, in a very intentional way, uh, of which I um, I appreciate it because my dad had taught me to never trust preachers mm. and church sure. people either. Yeah. He said they're basically full of shit. And they're just, <laughs> you know. They just, yeah. But. Um, you know, but this guy, man, he uh, um, uh, not only did he, um, you know, engage me as a friend, mm -hmm. but he uh, he let me uh, look behind the veil mm. of an organized church. Sure. So so I got to see like that a glimpse of how a church works mm -hmm. by being his friend. And I said, so a church can work uh you know, in the context of integrity, mm -hmm. and and it can uh, uh, have a, a meaningful mission other than uh, just gathering other people's money, mm -hmm. and and it can have a, a heart for a community. Yeah, and I, and I saw all of that 
from hanging out with him. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, uh, in my fifth year on the pew, uh, I became a Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that fifth year, um, accepted a call, accepted a call of ministry. And, and I don't know if I, I mentioned, uh, hadn't, but I'm a, I'm a real estate guy. Mm-hmm. So, so what I've done my whole life is real estate. Yeah. You know, buy some, sell some, mm-hmm. uh, you know, build something, uh, something occasionally. And, and I became his real estate broker. There it is. Yeah. So, so when time came to, uh, um, you know, for him to expand, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was part of that equation. Yeah. And, and one day he gave me the keys, Rusty, to, uh, an old dilapidated church in downtown Houston. Yeah. Yeah. St. John's. I remember him sending other, uh, ministers to look at it. They couldn't really feel a, uh, see a mission sure. uh, personally for this place. Yeah. But the day I drove up on the, uh, on the curb, man, I, uh, there were probably, there were about 50 unhoused people mm-hmm. hanging out about where we're sitting right now. Mm-hmm. It was a tree right about here. And, and that, um, um, you know, under that tree were about 50 guys waiting on a meal. Mm. I drive up in my car up to the curb i look over i see those guys i look at the church the building and and i just i picked up the phone my cell phone and i called my wife and i said uh i said baby this is the place Mm. and i knew it in that moment man uh maybe june 1992 Mm -hmm. that um that god had brought me to this place Mm -hmm. it was it was before i walked into the building Brought me to this place for the work that would ultimately last this past 30 years. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And it's really interesting to hear how, again, all of those skills do transfer. Right. I imagine having done some real estate work, development, all that, Mm -hmm. you could see the potential of this space. And, you know, my journey is there are some similarities. I wouldn't say it's a similar journey, but there are similarities for sure in that, you know, I very much was like, we're going to, I, I kind of was drawn into the church on the early end. Mm-hmm. And so the business stuff started later. Okay. But, you know, what I found is that for me, I went to undergraduate, I went to graduate school, got a master of divinity and was in the church the whole time, was serving in the church the whole time. And, you know, I would get up and try to preach and teach these people who are working real jobs, <laughs> dealing with real problems. <laughs> right, I'm like, well, right. let me tell you about school. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you about my yeah. homework that I had to yeah, do. Man. And I had no, uh, I really just had no hard skills. I mean, a lot of soft skills and I could hang out with people. I could talk and relate. But I think that kind of just knowing how the world works, how to make things happen, mm-hmm. I just was completely lost. And that's been this kind of maybe second big chapter of my life. Right. And I it's I just think it's really interesting to see how your work on the front end then prepares you to come into a space like this and say, oh, I can do something with this. Yeah. Because a lot of those other leaders and pastors that might have looked at this, they really couldn't have. They weren't equipped to develop this into what it's become. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think my, my skill set in the streets um, uh, really, really sort of predestined what this church would become mm. in terms of. Uh, which demographic would mm-hmm. fill the pews, um, you know, which is really interesting now uh, in this post-COVID 
um, a supposedly post post <laughs> sure post, yeah for yeah, now sure post, sure post COVID <laughs> post COVID for now uh, period uh, who you know who will constitute uh, church attenders for the future mm-hmm. and and it's really causing me to uh, uh, to rethink what um, the future of the church looks like mm-hmm. even for me sure you know um, you know at my uh, age uh i've lived longer than i have remaining Mm. i don't get another 65 years yeah 120 something 130 130 130, yeah right i don't get another 65 i say so so my buddy of mine said recently you know man i I want to um uh make sure i'm uh maximizing my next 25 summers yeah okay and and i thought about that for a minute and I said, you know what? Twenty five summers are cool, but there are nine other months if you live in Houston. Uh, you know, eight other months if you live in Houston. So how about I maximize my next twenty five years? Yeah. So, uh, so Rusty, what that looks like for me is um, taking all of my my uh, related skills. Mm-hmm. You know, so so church. Um, you and I were talking earlier and and preaching. You know, it's one of those things that uh, I also uh, have mostly passed on. Hmm. I've only preached one time a month for the last 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. Because it wasn't the the element of this work that mm-hmm. resonated with my heart yeah. and my being. Mm-hmm. So, and I tell people all the time that I lead from the middle of the room, mm-hmm. uh, not from, from the front of the room. Mm-hmm. And from the middle of the room, I uh, uh, also... Uh, um, so endear, um, a sort of fierce, fiercer loyalty. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like gang leading. I mean, it's you know, if you you stand in front of the room, somebody, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's gonna hit you in the back of the head. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. For sure. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Somebody's gonna sneak up on you. But but in this context, um, you know, I've uh, I've decided to uh, uh, to really um, uh, commit these um, these next few years of my journey to uh, taking all of my skill sets. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, you know, relationships, contacts all over the world, mm-hmm. um, um, you know, an understanding of how money works, mm-hmm. uh, my knowledge of real estate, uh, the, uh, uh, you know, understanding how uh, the organ, the organization can move. And, and I'm, I think I'm, a, I've committed to uh, employing that, Mm-hmm. To um, um, uh, to a, to our nonprofit, the Bread of Life. Yeah, yeah. You know, which is uh, you know, these last year, um, um, we we've made some amazing strides. Yeah, uh, we're going to take the uh, the next uh, year to uh, to build more capital mm-hmm. and take on some new projects. So let's talk about Bread of Life because that's obviously a big focus for My this, life's work. this next season. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it, it could, it, it seems like there's probably more facets to it than what ends up on Instagram. Right. Yeah. I, I think, right. Yeah. Obviously you're, you're serving meals to those that need them. And what else is bread of life look like these days? Well, I'll tell you first, quick history, uh, 30 years ago, uh, when and I started, uh, serving a hot meal mm-hmm. to, uh, our unhoused neighbors, mm-hmm. um, just, in the sanctuary, yeah, once a week, a few church members, 
before we knew it, we were serving 500 a day. Wow. For the next 20 years. Which is telling, right? Yeah. 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 Says a lot. Crazy. And, mm-hmm. and you know, that intersection with, um, with the unhoused community was mm-hmm. just, uh, has, has been pivotal for this, this community as mm-hmm. well. So we ended up building a sort of a soup kitchen, medical clinic, mm-hmm. uh, day, uh, kind of day room where, where homeless people could hang out. Yeah. And, and, and did that for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, maybe 16, 17 years ago, started building housing. Yeah. Uh, because housing, in in our opinion, is a solution yeah. to uh, to homelessness. And um, right after Hurricane Ike, about 12, 14 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, we uh, we really decided to uh, move one of our nonprofits, the Bread of Life, towards um, uh, disaster relief, mm-hmm. disaster recovery. Um, but acknowledging that there were several forms of disaster. One sure. is uh, weather events. Yep. All right. But then, you know, there are personal uh, moments mm-hmm. that, that feel like disaster as well. Yeah. There was a one of the things we used to talk about um, is I had mentioned when I was in Denver, there's this uh, organization, part of a nonprofit there called Dry Bones that they have a network coffee shop. Mm-hmm. And it, again, it's a coffee shop. Uh, it's really just a, a gutted out house where they serve essentially truck stop coffee and there's a shower and, <laughs> right. you know, some basic supplies and. Again, unhoused brothers and sisters are able to come in and just be unaccosted, mm-hmm. be here, right. sit there, just take a load off and no no one's going to worry, get, say anything about how you look or how you smell right. or anything. And we'd spent a lot of time in that community. And one of the realizations we had, just some friends and I having this conversation is that any one of us, regardless of our background, regardless of our socioeconomic status or bank accounts, any of that, we are three, at, at most three uh, big events away from joining three big, on the street. Three big events. Three man. three things can happen in a week, and yeah. just like that. And and the more you get to know folks that have been through that experience, that's what you hear. Exactly. As I was just, I was a guy, I had a job, I had a family, I was doing this, right. and bop bop bop, one two three, and then now here I am, and now I'm stuck, and I, you know, and and so yeah, you you. You learn a lot, but you were you were saying so. Yeah, the disasters, the personal disasters that people experience as well, because they can very much be that as you're driving along and boom, disaster. Exactly. So we we've decided to, uh, with our Timonos CDC, mm-hmm. uh, build housing, mm-hmm. and uh, we just we're in the process of completing our fourth project right now, yeah. uh, next door to the uh, campus. Last year, uh, the Bread of Life bought the church campus here. Okay. Um, uh, with a with a goal of taking uh, the campus and and repurposing, yeah, you know, not uh, Sundays and Wednesdays. Not Sundays. You got Sundays. you got five yeah. other days of the week. Yeah, because you know <laughs> in the daytime also because yeah. <laughs> churches 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 changed. Yeah, who's who's coming to a building to worship God mm-hmm. is uh, forever impacted as a result of uh, two years at home. Sure. Certainly. Forever impacted. Yeah. So, uh, so what we do with the uh, sort of the capital improvements that have happened so far is uh, is going to really determine the future of how this faith community impacts the, the neighbor, the community around mm-hmm. us. And uh, and if you think about it, you know, we're predominantly a uh, an organization and a uh, uh, a faith community of color mm-hmm. uh, that owns real estate in the 
fourth largest central business district yep. in the country. Uh, and it's been a very intentional uh, mm -hmm. move. We've done about 80 million in development so far. Yeah. Uh, just on the real estate side, we've raised probably in excess of 100 million for our causes. Mm -hmm. And 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 we're just getting started. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I love that. And, you know, I've had a lot of people reach out to be a guest on this show, which is humbling. It's incredibly humbling that my meager show people want to sit here and have these conversations. And some of those have been, you know, uh, very wealthy folks who've built this thing and they're a CEO and it kind of, maybe they're not, maybe just doing some press. It doesn't feel like they're too involved in the organization. But one of the reasons I want to talk with you, even at 65, yeah, man. is even with all the things you got going on, it doesn't seem like retirement no, is <laughs> a goal or on the horizon. It seems like, yeah, you're in the middle of it. And yeah, you're like, man. we're just, we're just getting started. And I love that. And I think that, um, yeah, you are in the middle of this. I'm journey. in the middle of it. Yeah. And my wife and I are calling it rewiring. Yeah. Versus retiring. I love that. Yeah. You know, and, and what we get a chance to do every day is uh so she she has uh she's my teacher, right? Mm -hmm. And uh and I've learned some of the uh the most beautiful lessons from from my wife. Mm -hmm. Uh but the one thing she's taught me lately is to uh answer the question, what would I love? Mm. Not who, you know, the who's are pretty clear. Yeah. But but when we drill down into what it is we love, mm. um, I think that's the only place we ult ultimately find fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And and believe me, and believe me, over my, my lifetime, you know, I haven't had a whole lot of days where I, I haven't felt fulfilled. Mm. Um, but those days that I uh, haven't have been very critical days mm. and, and, and a couple of them have been near death. Okay. You know, um, but at the core of where I am right now and based on what I understand about life, based on what I've learned mm -hmm. from a lot of bumping around. Yeah. A lot of it mm -hmm. is, uh, every morning I got to uh, wake up and ask the question. So what, what would I love about, this day mm -hmm. if i could do exactly what i felt purpose to do yeah and that's how i wake up every day and I've, I've i've awakened every day like that for a long time yeah you know so people say say man you know you don't uh uh you know first of all i wouldn't have known you're a pastor well i don't think there's a compliment <laughs> yeah yeah it depends on you ask i guess yeah <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, but I said, you know, primarily because I, uh, you know, I, I try to let my actions speak to the Jesus I committed my life to, mm -hmm. you know. Certainly. So so in that, all of this stuff that we ultimately do, uh, we do to the honor and glory of God, mm -hmm. you know, even though. Uh, our funding comes from uh, sometimes agencies and people and 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 predicaments that would prefer we didn't, mm -hmm. you know, espouse that. Uh, we don't always have to espouse it for people to know for sure that we're faith connected. Yeah, you know. Um, so, so you know, the journey ahead, Rusty, is um, it's good, man. You know, at sixty five. Um, you know, I've asked the uh, creator for uh, 30 more. Mm -hmm. 
you know. I said these last thirty have been pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what could I do with with the next thirty? Certainly, you know. And and if I put that in perspective, man, I can I can see uh, one having a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I have fun every day. Um, two, helping a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and three, learning some more lessons. Mm-hmm. Because that's when people stop living. Yeah. When they think there's nothing else to that's learn. That's it. We've done it all. Yeah. Checked it off. This is it. Man, I learned something. the whole experience. I learned something every day. I've, I've, you know, in talking to you before you hit uh, record, mm-hmm. uh, I learned a few things uh, this morning. You know, and and and, and that is the, uh, the essence of what makes us, uh, you know, human and what brings us to life mm-hmm. is uh, seeing the... Uh, the humanity of the person we're sitting in front of. Yeah. Yeah. I think this was my daddy. As a non-believer, and ultimately became a believer in my seventh year here, uh, that's one thing he, he really helped me do. And that was um, to find common ground with every human being I meet. You certainly, yeah. It's there. Yeah. very well, It's the, there to the find. The wealthiest, yeah. like you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. the wealthiest to the to the most disconnected financially mm-hmm. and, and economically and even emotionally. Yeah. And, 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 and when you can do that, uh, uh, I guarantee you things can happen. Absolutely. I, I think I can credit my mom for those lessons. Ah, is that yeah. I, I think that early on, uh, and she worked really hard to give me a life that was markedly better than her experience growing up in so many ways. And she did, she bust her ass to do it yeah. to give me those opportunities. But I just really distinctly remember her talking about even going into kindergarten. She was mm-hmm. like, you know, listen, if there's a kid that's left out, how would you feel to be that kid? You know, right. be that one. And I think in there, there were just some lessons to say everyone has a story. Yeah. So just be one, be real quick, careful before you start judging. Right. Right. Because like, <laughs> right. you don't know and you haven't been there. And uh, I was talking to a, uh, a friend yesterday who, who's a guest on the show, Haley, and she and I were just talking about how um, we've been really privileged to get to build relationships with a lot of different people. Yeah. And how I often think if I had all of these people at one table, I might be a little tense for them. <laughs> right. like, I don't know how this is. I don't think this is going to pan out between the two yeah, of you. Right. But I am very grateful that I can yeah. sit at their tables. Yeah. And be totally comfortable and love them and say, hey, I understand that all the people that I love and serve and get along with may not get along with each other. Yeah. But it's a gift for me <laughs> to be able to like break bread and be like, Hey, you know, I love you and yeah. I don't agree with everything and that's okay. And I don't expect anybody to agree with me on everything right. because my ideas are bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These are, you should not be agreeing with me on most things. Uh, yeah. my wife would, would attest to that. Um, well, I don't want to take up too much of your time. And again, thank you for, oh, for all of this. Hanging out, man. Um, I, I, a lot of times I'll ask, you know, is there advice that you would give younger Rudy? You know, if it's Rudy at, at 23, you've built the, the thing. If you're just getting started out, what's, uh, what would you share to your younger self? So um, a couple of years ago, a friend of mine, a guy named Jay Prince, he, uh, he started Rap-A-Lot Records. Okay. Um, wrote a book called The Art and Science of Respect. Mm. So I, uh, I, one one Sunday I asked him, I said, hey man, come and uh, instead of a sermon, let's do an interview, kind of like this. Mm-hmm. And and I put pictures from his book up on the screen. And, and one of the pictures was a, um, 
a picture of him in a high school captain gown, eight, the eighteen-year-old Jay Prince. Mm-hmm. This guy's made you know um, phenomenal money yeah. over these years, and I mean has experienced a lot of life. Um, but I said, so what would you tell? What would the what would the the now successful, mm-hmm. uh, accomplished Jay Prince tell? 18 year old little James. Yeah. And uh and he said, Pass, I would tell little James that you're gonna live a lot longer than you thought you were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Live like you're gonna live longer. So um I said, Man, that's profound advice. It certainly is. And and what I would tell my younger colleagues is you're going to live a lot longer than you thought you were. Yeah. Um, Live like you're going to become an older person one day. Yeah. So you can look back over those years and say, you know what? You know, those years served me. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the second thing I would, uh, I would tell uh, younger people who are uh, who are on the move mm-hmm. is to not be afraid to mm-hmm. take risk. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying be foolish. Sure, I'm not saying be reckless, but I'm saying, you know, if you don't take any risk. Uh, you're guaranteed there will be no reward mm-hmm. on the other side of that. So, um, so in the midst of risk taking, uh, everything will not work out. Yeah, but those things that do work out um, will will work out amazingly. Mm-hmm. And and to and to keep trying. And I think the third thing I would tell um, my uh, my younger colleagues is. Um, definitely believe in something other than yourself Hmm. um you can get to the end of you pretty quickly (laughs) yeah you know what i mean yeah just in capacity and Mm -hmm. every other aspect uh i was thinking about it uh, one day um about three and a half years ago and i thought about killing myself and uh and it, it was a time when i had a lot of good stuff happening mm-hmm but I had one thing that was going really badly, mm. you know, I mean, yeah. really badly. And, um, and it was that one thing that was going really badly that, that dominated my thought process in that, in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I realized when I got to the other side of that one thing that dominated my thought process and I found myself still alive, mm. that if I had ended my life when I thought certainly it was the end I would have missed everything yeah. that would have followed it. So, um, so you know, in the midst of taking those steps, everything won't necessarily always work out like you thought it would. Mm-hmm. But if you keep moving forward, you're going to look back and say, "Wow, what a, what a great learning experience that was." Yeah, and that's what all of these experiences have been for me. Uh, so I look at the uh, at the at the road ahead now, and uh, and. And of course, you know, 
at 65, I don't, uh, you know, I don't have the same challenges mm-hmm. that I had when I was 45 and 35 and sure. 25 and 15. But, uh, but my challenge now is to, uh, to, to living out of what I would love every day. Yeah. I had come across an interview uh, with Juanita that was really beautiful, I think speaks to this. And again, your teacher, so I can hear her voice yeah. <laughs> in your yeah. words already. Uh, as, yeah, as a good wife can do at times and many times. But uh, she was talking about Dr. King's famous speech out of a dream. And mm-hmm. she said, no, like the dream had him. Yeah. And she goes on to say, you know, pain can push you forward right. a little bit. Right. Can push you forward. And that's that's good at times. We need that. Sometimes right. we need a little pain to get us going. But a, a really captivating dream, a captivating vision will pull you forward. Exactly. And it will, sh- and I think she goes on to say, it'll shape you right. into the person that can then make those changes and, and be those things and do those things. And so I think that so much of what you shared just now, I think it's about perspective. It's about perspective. And, and that's the word. Yeah. I, I think it's recognizing, yeah. There's a lot of that, at least a while ago, there was a whole lot of that YOLO, you know, YOLO, so we're just like, let's live it up, party. It's like, well, like, just remember, though, you're probably actually going to live longer. Like, right. so just think about some consequences here that you're going to yeah. have to live with for the rest of your life. Exactly. Um, but then on the other side of that, if you're going to live longer, okay, sure. Try 20 businesses. Right. Let's, let's talk to me when you hit 21. Right. What if, like, what if you just set out and say, I'm going to start 21 businesses. That's right. <laughs> Like if that was the goal, because yeah. you're like, I got a lifetime, I can do it, you know, exactly. one every couple of years, let's just give them a shot and see what turns out. I think that it, it, people would, I don't know anybody that would start that way. So I'm going to do 21, <laughs> maybe other than me. My right. wife is like, don't give them any ideas. Don't give them ideas. But, you know, <laughs> right. you're going to learn so much along the way and you get perspectives. And, you know, I have a real estate situation right now that's, you know, it shouldn't be going sideways, but it's going sideways. Mm-hmm. And like you said, last maybe 12, 14 hours. That happened last night. And so even today driving here, it's just starting to consume my thoughts, mm-hmm. right? I'm, I've been excited about our conversation for so long and I'm on, on the drive here. What am I thinking about? I've got to say it this way. If I'm going to, exactly. do I need to be, have this tone with this guy and like, I'm just, and it's like, whew, yeah, man, just take a breath. We'll be all right. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to make it through this. There'll be another day. Make it to tomorrow. We'll figure it out. You know, uh, Judas, uh, one of Jesus's friends, um, ended his life prematurely. Mm-hmm. And my big lesson from that was to never make a bad day your last day. Mm. You know, so so never make a, uh, a permanent decision in the context of a difficult moment. Mm-hmm. And and how often do we do that? Oh, Too often. So reactionary. So, yeah. so reactionary. But I think we uh, we continue to move forward and 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 continue to remember that there's still another day. Absolutely, I love that. I, I, the, maybe my last story. <laughs> we can get into it. A bunch of storytellers together. That's I, right. Boy. I was we in. Go, yeah, man. this will be all day. Somebody get order dinner. <laughs> uh, it, is that I was in. So I, like I mentioned, I was in seminary, I was in graduate school, and then. Uh, some people asked me some very just simple, straightforward questions that kind of shattered my whole ego and persona that I had assembled for myself. And, 
And then I'd also faced an academic rigor that I'd never really faced mm-hmm. before. I'd always just kind of coasted through school. Like I could just right. show up and be like, I'll get a B. I don't have to do much. Right. Again, ego, all of it. And for the first time learning Hebrew, I was like, oh, I can't just like bullshit my way through this. Like, you, I actually have to know this. Like you're telling. <laughs> and uh, and so I'm start failing Hebrew. My life's falling apart. My identity's all in crisis and all this stuff. And I walk into one of my counselor's offices like I'm quitting. I'm out. Yeah, I'm done. Like you can't. There's nothing you could do. And uh, and to to Laura Flanders' credit, I doubt Laura listens to this. But if she ever did, shout out Laura. <laughs> she out. said, okay, that's fine. You can quit. Go ahead, quit. It's like, but I want you to, I want you to swear to me that before you quit, you go talk to the president of the seminary, mm. right? And you won't do anything until then. So just as soon as you get an appointment with him, talk to him, let him know mm. what your plans are, and then you can quit. Right. I so then I think I so I swear, I swear to you that I'll do nothing, make notice, like won't act on anything. But I'm quitting, Laura. I'm done. Yeah. And I'm going to go talk to him. So I like walk over to his office <laughs> from, from her office. It's so like, I'd like to see Mark Young, please. And uh, the secretary's like, um, yeah, okay. Well, uh, the first appointment he has in about six weeks. Um, so yeah, we'll set you up an appointment for six weeks. And I think what happened is I think I walked to the office. She called and said, do not set an appointment for this with this young man <laughs> for another six weeks. Right. So that he has to just push through. This, right. th- and that was the end of the semester. I was, And so I just had... So, <laughs> And again, I always want to be a man of my words. So I was like, she tricked me. And, but I'm not going to quit because I told her I wouldn't right. until I talked to this guy. And by the time, I think they were able to find an earlier appointment. But by the time that I talked to him, I'd cooled down a little bit. Yeah. And I'd gotten through a little bit of it. Yeah. And I got through and, and I <laughs> withdrawed from the class I was failing. And right. I came back another semester and did well. And, and it, all that to say of like those moments, you just, you're like, I'm done. Right. Quit. Right. I'm out of right. it. And to have those people in your yeah. life, they're just like, take a beat. Just right. take a beat. It'll, you know, again, let's talk about it tomorrow. Right. Just meet me here and we'll talk about it tomorrow. And I, I think that's a gift. Well, again, we can do this all day, but thank you for your oh, wisdom. I'd good love out, to man. talk more about the tacos and the coffee <laughs> and all of it. But I think that, that you sharing a little bit of your journey is going to be a real encouragement to a lot of people as it already has been for me. So yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. A huge thank you to Rudy and to you for listening to this episode of Houston made. Uh, Rudy is just an amazing guy and he has really just touched Houston and influenced this city in so many ways. And it was a privilege to get to sit down and talk with him. If you haven't done so already, go find Rudy on Instagram at Rudy Rasmus. Uh, stop by through good coffee for some excellent espresso next time you're down in the heights and check out bread of life to see how you can come alongside a great organization to help out some of our less fortunate brothers and sisters here in houston you can learn more about bread of life uh, at their website breadoflifeinc.org or follow them on instagram at bread of life htx this is your first time tuning in. We have interviews available with entrepreneurs from all kinds of backgrounds, including tattoo artists, leather workers, ice sculptors, and more. So be sure to check out those. If you're interested in connecting further, you can find me on Instagram at Rusty J Gates or the show at Houston Made Podcast. Houston Made is produced and hosted by me, Rusty Gates. Special thanks goes out to Luke Bronner with Million Media for continued support of the show and to Mac Ryan Creative for collaboration on our artwork. Credit for our theme music goes to old friends, 
new friends. And Houston Made is glad to be a part of the Million Media neighborhood of podcasts and storytellers. We are people who care deeply about human connection. And in our neighborhood, we find that connection by hearing and appreciating one another's stories and by sharing our own. To find more shows made by amazing storytellers from all kinds of backgrounds, visit milliumedia.com.